Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. We're going to continue now, and for the rest of the hour, we're going to talk about misinformation and the pandemic. We all heard lots of discussion about how social media contributed to misinformation in the 2016 and 2020 presidential elections, which led to Donald Trump being banned from Twitter and Facebook, among other things. And we've heard a lot less, though, about social media and the pandemic. But in an article co-reported for Bloomberg Businessweek, our next guest writes that Facebook is the perfect platform for conspiracy theories about the pandemic. Sarah Fryer joins us now to talk about that. Sarah, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's an important issue. Yeah. Well, tell us, uh, you know, first of all, what did you find? Well, we talked with a lot of uh, a lot of people, particularly women who on Facebook and Instagram were were just bombarded with fearful messaging. And, and that's really the the takeaway we drew from this was that as much as Facebook and Instagram have tried to get rid of the people who who perpetually spread misinformation or, um, you know, put good information centers out there um, with information from the CDC and WHO, uh, there are there are just some fundamental mechanics of social media that allow for misinformation to run wild. And it's the fact that posts that generate a lot of commentary, uh, a lot of emotional response, a lot of fear, those posts are more shareable. Those posts are more likely to see to see more people, to spark more conversation. And that's why it's such fertile ground for a lot of scary things about the the vaccine shots, which just aren't based in fact. And, and one thing that was particularly concerning to us, um, the anti-vax movement has, has been building for decades, um, but the COVID vaccine is the first that's going to be given to adults first. This isn't about babies, right? That That's the normal vaccine debate. Um, but this is something where they have targeted women uh, in telling them that they will have fertility issues if they take mm-hmm. the Pfizer vaccine, which simply isn't true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right that the vaccine skeptics targeted a group, I'm quoting here, whose fears they knew well, young women. Uh, and is that because, you know, naturally, and any woman, especially one pregnant or has young kids, is going to just be especially concerned and protective? Well, what they've done is they've, they've exploited some of the uh, some of the uncertainty that do, already does exist around the COVID vaccines. Pregnant people were not explicitly included in the trial for ethics reasons. Um, there was n- not very direct guidance from the government uh, besides saying 
you know, talk to your provider about your individual case. We shouldn't, they were in the beginning, they were saying we shouldn't withhold the shots from pregnant or breastfeeding women, but they didn't really have any strong guidance on what they should do. So there were a lot of people asking questions and those people were looking for answers um, at the same time as they were being reached by, by this, this misinformation about how it could cause them harm. And so I think that it's just such a fertile ground uh, because people are more interested in health information than ever. And there is a lot of, of um, vague science that is really just coming out as we speak, right? Every day, it seems like there's a new study showing that um, you know, the vaccine is effective among a certain population. We're doing this science as we go. And that provides a lot of room for people who are vaccine hesitant or um, people who, who profit off of spreading fear about vaccines to fill that void with misinformation. Well, who's profiting and how are they profiting? Well, it's been really interesting to look particularly at the wellness world on Instagram of the lead woman in our story. Her name is Khalees Williams. And she, during the pandemic, she wasn't a big user of social media, uh, but during the pandemic, like many of us, she turned to, to Instagram because she was just missing people. And um, also had an essential oils business because she got into holistic medicine after uh, having a, a bout with cancer, wanted to be healthy. And as she was following people who she might be able to sell her essential oils to, um, she started to absorb misinformation about the vaccines. She started to to be targeted with messages that they were um, going to cause adverse reactions, that the government was going to mandate then if you were going to go back to work, that um, that they were going to cause infertility, all these things caused her to be extremely concerned about, um, about getting a shot. She does not want one now because of these messages on Instagram. Well, the people who are selling this information on Instagram are providing alternatives. They're saying, well, you shouldn't get that shot or you, you don't need to wear a mask, but here, you should buy my proprietary supplements or do my workout regimen mm. or come to my wellness retreat, right? There are all sorts of commercial mm. opportunities that they provide as an alternative to- well, it, but, how um, the, but how do the conspiracy, like, you know, it, some of those things might be perfectly legitimate. Yoga, meditation, you know, maybe some holistic remedies for certain things can be legitimate. So how do those folks get connected with the conspiracy theorists? Or are you saying they're generating the conspiracy theories and the lies in order to sell whatever it is they're peddling? Well, I think that it, it happens sort of innocently, like with this woman, I mean, she's, she's um, now telling her friends and family that she's very concerned about the vaccine. And, and she's doing it because she feels like, like that's good advice. Um, and that's just what she's been exposed to. Um, I think a lot of what happens is uh, you know, people build followings off of, of you know, maybe they're, they're nutritionists or they're really good at yoga or something like that. And they, they build a following off of that and then suddenly everyone's talking about yeah. COVID and their followers have questions about COVID and these people aren't doctors. So some yeah. of it is, is simply, you know, innocent skepticism, like, 
you know, yeah. general I, mistrust in the medical establishment, and some of it is strategic. Okay, I have to stop you there. We're going to take a short break. We're going to continue our conversation with Sarah Fryer from Bloomberg about her new piece. It's called Facebook Built the Perfect Platform for COVID Vaccine Conspiracies. Give us a call if you'd like to join us, 866-733-6786. We'll be right back. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. And we continue our conversation with Sarah Fryer. She's a tech reporter with Bloomberg. Her new piece is called Facebook Built the Perfect Platform for COVID Vaccine Conspiracies. If you'd like to join us, tell us where you're getting your information about the pandemic, about COVID-19, about vaccines, and uh, whether you've encountered some of this misinformation or questionable information, give us a call at 866-733-6786. Again, that's 866-733-6786. And you can also get in touch with your comments or questions on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email us. It's forum at kqed.org. Um, you know, one of the... I don't know, it's not a conspiracy, but one of the concerns, you know, about vaccines, and there is an element of truth to it, Sarah, is that these trials were were shorter than usual because of the crisis, because of the emergency. Um, these drug companies applied for, you know, emergency, I forget the exact phrase, but permission to use uh, these vaccines. Uh, they're, they're, there's no reason to think they're not safe, and they're clearly very effective. But how how is that uh, sort of the the rapidity with which these vaccines have come to market? How is that being exploited uh, by some of these uh, you know these conspiracy theorists? The U.S. Census Bureau has actually done uh, surveys every few weeks of American households, asking people why they chose why they're choosing not to get the vaccine. Uh, who asking who is taking it and then asking who is choosing not to take it and why. And one of the the top reasons people give is that they're just waiting to see um, what happens. That said, mRNA vaccine technology, I mean, it's something that's been tested for years and years and years. Um, it is a very promising area of science, but there's um, there's a lot of confusion about what it actually means. Is it a live virus? No, it's not. I mean, people are are not sure if they if they can get COVID from it. And the messaging from the government hasn't been super consistent, right? I mean, last year under the Trump presidency, we got a lot of conflicting health information from authorities. And so I think that that provides a very fertile ground for um, for vac- anti-vaccine activists to find people who who will listen. In fact, um, there was a, a conference that these activists held in October where they all gathered together and talked about their strategy for the coming inoculation movement. And one of the leading vaccine conspiracy theorists, um, RFK, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. said, that, uh, you know, this is the moment where people are going to be receptive to our message. So we've, we've really got to, um, to take advantage of that. So 
So I think that that the people who have been in this this uh, fear mongering market for for years or decades, they uh, they really see this this void in um, clarity as something that they can use to further their their movement. Yeah. Um, we're going to go to some comments in a moment, but I want to just say that we're getting word now that the U.S. Capitol complex in Washington is on lockdown after a car apparently rammed into the barricade surrounding it, injuring a couple of police officers. We're obviously uh, monitoring that closely, and I'm sure NPR will have more details and information at the top of the hour. I want to give out the phone number again on this topic, which is the pandemic and disinformation. Give us a call at 866-733-6786. Again, it's 866-733-6786. Or if you like, get in touch on Twitter and, yes, Facebook. <laughs> We're at KQED Forum. Um, here's a comment from April who writes, why is the word misinformation used? It's not misinformation, it is lies. Why does the news continue to use words like this to soften facts? These conspiracy theories are nothing but lies, and lies uh, is what they should be called. What are your thoughts about that, Sarah? Is it, uh, yeah, I mean, we, 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 of course, grappled with this during uh, the Trump administration. Like, when do you say it's a lie and when is it just wrong? Yeah, I think that that in this case, because there is a lot of of innocence um, spreading of this information, that it's not exactly people who are lying. It's people who are unintentionally spreading it because they're scared. Um, I think that even on Facebook, uh, people don't understand the mechanisms of the platform. So, for example, you might see some some lie that one of your relatives or acquaintances has shared on Facebook and you know that it's a lie and by commenting in their post and saying, by the way, auntie, this is, this is nowhere close to true. Here's the link to the facts by commenting on it. You're actually signaling to Facebook that it's a, a important post that more people should look at. You're giving it a recent boost into other people's feeds, including your own friends. And so you are actually spreading that bad information yourself by trying to correct it. It's just, it's so complicated for users of Facebook and Instagram to understand how the system works, how the algorithms work, how they're playing into it. And, and I think misinformation you know, that's that's the more innocent term. The more uh, uh, direct term is disinformation. Yeah. yeah. Um, All right. Let's uh, talking with uh, Sarah Fryer from Bloomberg about disinformation, misinformation, or lies, if you prefer, on the uh, Facebook and Instagram platforms in particular. If you've seen some misinformation on Facebook, maybe somebody in your family has shared something. How concerned are you? Give us a call at 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. Um, you know, Sarah, we saw, you know, mis misinformation, disinformation, lies, whatever you want to call it on the uh, internet and in particular on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and so on. Uh, have been linked to Russia, you know, national nation state actors, uh, certainly in the 2016 and the 2020 presidential elections. To what extent is this uh, disinformation coming from groups like that, organizations like that? We have seen some coordinated campaigns um, to spread disinformation from foreign governments. And Facebook actually runs a, a report every every few weeks where they discuss the takedowns 
Um, they, they really did a lot of that ahead of the election. But generally what those entities try to do is they're not trying to push us in any one direction. They're just trying to cause strife in our society. When we saw um, the Russian efforts ahead of the 2016 presidential election, it was very much about um, getting people angry on both sides of any issue, whether it was immigration or LGBT rights or guns. Um, they just wanted to cause extra polarization um, and disunity in in the U.S., which is better for them um, to destabilize us a bit. So, so I think that that's not the primary uh, cause of a lot of this disinformation. Although I was speaking with a doctor, Ryan Marino, uh, who works in in Ohio. He's a, a toxicologist, so he's been dealing with a lot of questions on vaccines, and he's actually taken to to social media, especially Twitter to try to dispel a lot of the rumors and spread good information. And he said every time he posts something with the word vaccine or COVID-19, he will get some automated responses, some bot responses. And it's, it's unclear to him where those bots are coming from. But yeah, this, this whole debate is not immune to those disinformation engines these automated engines trying to get us to be mm. angry with each other yeah all right let's go to the phones and john in oakland you're first welcome looks like john has dropped off how about uh jay are, are you there yes i am hi there go ahead um i just it's Pretty obviously one-sided here. I don't know who owns Bloomberg, but the one thing that knocked me off my axis was this idea that essential oil sellers are trying to change the narrative to sell things. Pfizer, Moderna, trillions. You're talking trillions. There is no bigger business than vaccinations. We've been fine without them all through existence. Um, why would I take an experimental injection when there's a 99 Point seven percent survival rate, and it takes 10, 20 years for some of this. Let me just stop you. Let me just stop you there because this is exactly the kind of information that I think we're talking about to a certain extent. I mean, that first of all, the ninety nine point nine that does not apply to people who are of a certain age. It does not apply to people who have underlying conditions. Your grandparents, people who you may or may not know, have an underlying condition. Um, and, and so maybe the question, Sarah, is uh, well, I think he does make a point about big pharma, and we can talk about that. But you know, what is the way to you know respond to information like that, which is very emphatic and maybe there are elements of truth to it but it's you know also not exactly correct well here's the thing there is a a massive amount of distrust in big pharma for good reason the the history of these companies just think about think about the opioid crisis like the, these these companies have not been angels um to say the least right and so i think that that there, there is a level of, of trust that is going to be extremely difficult to build around the vaccine. And I talked to a woman who is actually part of this United Nations program called Team Halo, where they are trying to get doctors and scientists to be influencers on TikTok to spread good information about the disease. And she's working with mistrust of, of um, 
standard medicine and, and pharmaceuticals and even the government, right? A lot of people don't trust the government uh, for good reason as well. Um, and, and she's trying to say, look, people aren't going to listen. A lot of people aren't just going to listen to whatever Dr. Anthony Fauci says or whatever the president says, uh, because those people you know, don't look like them, don't have the same background they do. They want to hear from somebody in their community. They want to hear from somebody who who has a similar life experience. So I think a lot of a lot of this fear can can be ameliorated not by the pharmaceutical companies themselves, but by people coming out and telling personal stories and saying, listen, I I was scared too. And and I got the shot and it, it, I didn't have any adverse reactions, maybe a sore arm for a day. Um, and, and it's fine. And now I can, now I can travel. Now I can see my grandparents. I, yeah. I think those kinds of things are going to resonate with people more than saying, you know, this is a requirement for you. Yeah. Here's a comment from a listener who writes, something I found interesting is when my friends even post positive Instagram photos about getting vaccinated with overlay text about COVID, their Instagram stories are flagged with a notification urging viewers to get the facts about COVID-19. Uh, and so it, it sounds like she's saying, I'm not exactly sure what that means, that these platforms are, I know they've been flagging information that is wrong and sometimes, uh, you know, putting a little warning flag about it. But uh, it sounds like she's saying, Sarah, that um, even even when something is correct or just, you know, just showing a vaccination, that there is some kind of a message from Instagram in this case, which which could be fusing, confusing. Before I let you respond to that, let me just say that I'm Scott Schaefer and you're listening to Forum. Sarah, what are your thoughts well, about that? She is pointing out something that is is just Facebook's broad strategy. It's really difficult for Facebook. Uh, in fact, they, they actually don't want to say who is right and who is wrong about the vaccine as much as possible. They don't want to be arbiters of truth. They want to leave that to the WHO, the CDC, and the government authorities. Um, they don't want Facebook to be the person telling you. And so what they've done is any post about the vaccine, whether true or false or, or whatever the case may be, they put a little flag on it to say, hey, like, we don't know what this says, but you can go see more. And I think that that actually is very confusing for people. You, you saw the same thing happen around the 2020 election results, where um, anytime you typed the word vote in a post, or anytime you type the word election, you would get this little little notification, Joe Biden has been declared the winner of the 2020 presidential election, you know, click here for more. Um, and, and I think a lot of people thought that that was, um, was confusing, like, it, what is it? What is it wrong with my post? Uh, but really, it's just Facebook trying to cover all of its bases and not make decisions about who's right and wrong. And we should say that it's not just Facebook and Instagram. I mean, we had a, a comment earlier that uh, next door, you know, where communities, neighborhoods can communicate with each other about all kinds of things. Sometimes there's a lot of bad information there as well. Oh, yeah. Next door, YouTube. YouTube's a huge factor um, as well as Twitter yeah. and, and, of yeah. course, TikTok. All right. We are out of time. Sarah, I want to thank you for joining us. Sarah Fryer from Bloomberg. Her new piece is called Facebook Built the Perfect Platform for COVID Vaccine Conspiracies. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me.
And to close out today, we're kicking off Forum's mini poetry segment for National Poetry Month in April. We put out the call for you to share your poems with us, and many of you responded. And we're still accepting poems. Simply upload a voice memo of your original poem, two minutes or less, for a chance to be featured on air. Today we're featuring two poems, and first up is Daniel Ari from Richmond reading his poem, How Do You Know All Is Well? How Do You Know All Is Well? And while you were thinking that, here's a curious garden path that winds back to a familiar piece of land, small and intentionally tended, the body that you grew up in, and an abstract center or heart, a pear tree, whose branches reach just beyond your skin and say wordlessly, while you're thinking that, remember the hinge of your jaw the twin tunnels in your nose, tight muscles over arm bones, feel how they cling there, and the space between the tissues among your tarsals. Standing there, you keep breathing the sky, which is falling, as always. The tree doesn't know it's Wednesday, only that it's winter, and there against a gray background is an alamy but edible pear. That's how you know. Again, that was Daniel Ari in Richmond with his poem, How Do You Know All Is Well? And we're going to close out our mini-segment with Alina Nguyen uh, in Los Angeles and her poem, Nua, Viet, and Half American. Nua, Viet, and Half American. The war was budding outside my home in Guangai and everywhere. I lived with Amwai because his daughter didn't want me. For school, I owned one color pencil, double-headed, red and blue, so the white must have been somewhere inside of me. I sat in class until the fifth grade, so when my children pass elementary, I'll burst the thrill of knowing they're smarter than me. And again, that was Alina Nguyen in Los Angeles. Thanks to both Daniel and Alina for sharing their poems with us. And again, uh, we are doing this throughout the month of April. And if you would like to upload a voice memo of your original poem, two minutes or less, for a chance to be featured on air, visit our Twitter or Facebook pages. We're at KQED Forum. Or you can find us on Instagram or perhaps, uh, you know, you can just find the link there to submit your recording. Again, two minutes or less, and we will give it a listen and uh, we will consider that to air. Well, Forum is produced by Ariana Prale, Blanca Torres, Caroline Smith, and Grace Wan. Susan Britton is lead producer. Our interim senior editor is Judy Campbell. Our engineers are Danny Bringer and Katie McMurrin. Our interns are Leslie Torres and Kimia Akbari. Our executive editor is Ethan Toven-Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Scott Schaefer here this week for Mina Kim. She will be back on Monday. Have a terrific weekend. Thanks so much for joining us.
Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.